The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is Make It Plain. God bless you. Welcome to another edition of Make It Plain Tuesday. We gathered once again in Washington, D.C. for the eighth time with black women and partners and allies, the Black Women's Roundtable, National Council of Negro Women, National Coalition on Black Civic Participation. Um, Black women have been standing up in their own way against the filibuster and for voting rights and for economic justice. Let's hear from a couple of our friends, Melanie Campbell of the Black Women's Roundtable and National Coalition on Black Civic Participation from the rally in front of the Dorothy Height Building, the National Council of Negro Women headquarters. Thank you, my sister, my leader, my Sarah, my friend, my sister that I would be glad to get in the foxhole with, and all yes. of you, yes. and all of you. So yes. thank you so very much. Uh, this is, I think, uh, we, Black Women and Allies, Dr. Cole and Janice and a bunch of us, and Clay and a bunch of us, back in July. Like, how did we get here, Cora, right? Uh, how did we get here? We got here back in, uh, when the Senate decided, uh, the U.S. Senate decided that they didn't have time, at least 50 the Democrats were there, and this is just fact, not partisan, couldn't get 10 Republicans to come and allow for a discussion, let alone a vote on protecting our voting rights. And so sisters got together and say, we gotta do something. So we pulled together this thing called Black Women and Allies and had our first action on July 15th. So here we are on November 16th. Yes. But we're no ways tired. No, no. Body tired. Yes. But we're no ways tired. No ways tired. So we're here today, Black Women and Allies, for our voting rights and economic justice, freedom walk. Yes. And the thing about Janice, Dr. Dr. Height, I think she'd be smiling and thanking you for keeping yes. you and Dr. Cole for yes. keeping the fire yes. burning here. Yes. Because we know not, not too far away from where we stand was one of the largest slave trading locations right. in the nation. On this spot. Yeah. So on we're on spot. holy ground. And so what better place to be yes. Yes. to do this what we're trying to do here, what we are doing here, that's holding it down. So being, we're the only building between the White House and the U.S. Capitol, Dr. Height educated us on and reminded us of often, owned by an African-American, owned by a black woman. Yes. So we're here today to keep 
the fire is burning until we win. Our voting rights are protected by passing the John Lewis Voting Rights Restoration Act That's right. to pass the Freedom to Vote Act. But it's also about making sure our people have the resources. Yes. So it's also about economic justice. We right. help build, we help pass that, get that $1.2 trillion yes, package done. Yes, infrastructure bill. We did that. You did that. Those who watched those who voted in 2020 did that. Be clear. People want to say, oh, that's not going to help my community. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're gonna, we have to make sure that. And now we're going to hear from one of the most influential voices in all of organized labor. She is, her title doesn't really adequately describe, describe what she has been to all of us. For years, I didn't know where she lived because I saw her in California, I saw her in New York, I saw her in Chicago, I saw her all across the South. But her real title, and she's been such an inspiration to so many of us, not because she was older, but because she was wiser. She could see further around the corner, as they say. If you don't know who A. Philip Randolph is, Google him. He was a pioneer, and the institution that is named for him, his legacy organization, the A. Philip Randolph Institute, fights for working people each and every day. Please welcome their leader, national president, A. Philip Randolph Institute, Clayola Brown. Janice. I can remember those days when we were walking with Reverend Jackson. All right, all right. And this little fresh woman right here was the only thing that could control him when he thought that he was going to do something wrong. You would see her hand move from the side and her snatching at that coat, pulling him into rain, making sure that he stayed on the road to justice. And she did a good job of doing that. A good job of doing that. Not only that, don't let that little small piece of hype fool you. That sister right there stands in every inch that she is pumped up to be and then some more. So for your leadership, sister, we say thank you. Thank you so much, sister. We appreciate your leadership. And to our Dorothy Height of today. Yes. To the sister that is more inclusive than anybody I know. Yes. That's right. That will yes. reach to the side, to the front, to the back and say, come on. Yes. When you don't have anything that you can do on your own, Melanie Campbell will find it for you and stand with you every step of the way. That's our darker height for these days and these times. It's amazing when we have sisters who are leaders that are unselfish. Mm. that stay on the road to the cause yeah. and not just because it's going to benefit them. Yeah. Look behind me and to the side of me and you see those who understand the real principles of power. Yeah. It's some bad behind sisters up here. Yeah. Yes, all there is. And I'm trying my best not to say a cuss word today, but I'm going to say this one. It's some badass sisters yeah. up here today. Okay? I mean, you look at Angela Elsa Brooks standing here just yeah. quiet and ladylike. I see her stretch across the table, and there wasn't nobody there that was shorter than her, but she covered that. She covered that. We can look everywhere we choose to, and there is power. That same little innocent one that's sitting on that ledge over there, Core Masters Barry. Yeah. 
you don't want to mess with that. And if you don't know, you better ask somebody. Okay? Because where I'm from in South Carolina, they say, if you're going to pick with her, you better pack a lunch because you're going to be there for a minute. All right? That's a bad system. I could call the entire role of the folks that are standing here and tell you how awesome they are. But to talk about them is one thing. To see them in action is a whole nother thing. And when you see them in action, you see a crowd. Because anyone who stands out by themselves is just walking. But when you got somebody behind you, you are a leader. And that's what these sisters are. And when they start to muck around with voting rights and shoving it around on the schedule, there was one word said very quietly by our Dorothy I. Hyde. She says, enough is enough. Yes. That's right. That was the rallying cry that put us together. Yeah. Enough it's is enough. enough. Yeah. And now that we know how the progression is going, enough is going to continue to be enough until we get what we're fighting for. That's right. And that means if we have to scream every day, if we have to march every week, if we have to cuss a little bit, yeah. if we have to pray a whole lot, yes. if we have to turn to the preachers, if we have to turn to the teachers, we will say, come on and join us because yes. that's what we have to do yes. in order to bring the counter power that's necessary to make them uphold the promises of the law of this land. Yes. A quiet, nice lady never gets anything. I'm telling you what I know, y'all. Sometimes you have to go smooth to ignorance to make them know that you are paying attention. And smooth to ignorance, there is no shame in that. There is no shame in that because then you are standing for something. You are not falling for anything that they say. One thing that we don't want to miss either is to know where power is. Now, this sister I'm going to call up here is probably going to be mad at me for doing it, but I'm going to have her come and stand beside me because this is the kind of strength you need. Alyssa McBride is the Secretary Treasurer of AFSCME. Come here, sister. Now, I know some of y'all saying she ain't no black woman. She is an ally and she is my sister, and I'm proud to have her stand beside me, okay? This sister is the Secretary of AFSCME, one of the largest unions in this country. Her is the one that writes the checks, okay? Don't play. Not only that, but when it's civil rights, she stands up inside of the house of the AFL-CIO. This sister right here, I had the privilege of working with her side by side on the racial justice task force that dealt with civil rights and human rights and women rights. And you know who was a strong fighter? This one right here. Right. So don't sleep the color, y'all. Our sisters come in a rainbow of colors. And they do the job. Thank you, sister, for coming up here. I appreciate you so much. Thank you, my sister. Today, I salute all of you for having the courage to be out here. I salute all of you for all that you do. I have talked way too long, but I feel pretty good. I'm ready to walk down. Thank you, Melanie, for having me here. And right back to you, sister Jane. Thank you, Clay. Wait a minute, let me... More MIP after this message. Here's Congresswoman Chantel Brown of Ohio, elected to replace Congresswoman Marsha Fudge, who is now HUD secretary. Here with Congresswoman Chantel Brown of National Council of Negro Women. First of all, welcome to Make a Plain. 
Uh, what are the chances of getting Build Back Better through the other part of this legislation? I feel good about it. We are awaiting the C, uh, I think the CBO score, and um, that might take a little bit longer than we expected, but with that, I feel pretty good about the legislation. We already passed the rule to put it on the floor. So it's just a matter of time, but um, having passed the first part gives me even greater confidence about the second part. And this legislation would actually even more specifically help black women. Oh, definitely black women. I mean, we're talking about making investments into uh, universal pre-K. So we're talking about expanding Medicaid um, to include services that would normally not be included as like uh, hearing, aid, hearing aids for our seniors, um, job opportunities when we can put our children back into uh, programs with that child tax credit. Those are the things that are going to be critically important. It will help women, um, not only women, but families. You know, p people with uh, children will benefit greatly from that. And oftentimes that are women, and that's women, and so that's why I go to those things um, out the gate. But this package has so much to offer on social services side. This is the human infrastructure um, part of the Build Back Better package. And yes, it will help um, not only women, but families across the country. But the thing I'm most proud of is it will help the people that elected me in Ohio's 11th Congressional District. All right, and of course, uh, for those who don't know you, the successor to Marsha Fudge. Yes, sir. Lastly, um, very happy to hear. I'm a big activist for HR 40, and I see you just signed on as a co-sponsor. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, so how is that looking? You think we'll be able to get that to a vote? Is there any conversation about that? I haven't had much conversation about it just yet, but um, I, I am, again, getting my feet wet and hitting the ground running, and I couldn't be happier um, to come at such a critical time to be in the midst of passing historic legislation. So it is a, a huge responsibility, one that I do not take for granted. And again, it is a, a privilege and an honor to be able to serve in this capacity. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. More MIP after this message. Also had an opportunity on Tuesday to catch up with our dear friend Joteka E.D. of Black Women Lead and Win with Black Women. People are wondering why we've not seen the vice president more. But Folks, right here at the Black ago, Women's March a bunch on of the Capitol for voting rights to end the filibuster. And one very strong sister going. who's a friend of and the show, a frequent guest who's been organizing with black women for a number of years, in especially in these past few election cycles. Of taking us She's also um, a budding television star as well. We we'll get into all that. Our sister Joteka Edie. Joteka, how are you? I'm doing good, brother. Go we out here on the fight, on the struggle. Me and you, we've been they doing this for about 20 years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still at it. Tell us why it's important for black women to demonstrate today. Well, number one, black women, we often are referred to as the backbone of democracy in this country. And we are coming together to make a very strong message that voting rights is important to us. We know that voting rights is the mechanism for which we can exercise every issue that we care about, whether or not it's our climate, our health care, our education, or our economic justice. It is voting rights is the path for which we get that. We also know that there is an aggressive attack on those rights. We are seeing it in state after state after state, and we've seen it all before, and we're seeing it again as a direct result of the work that black women did in the 2020 election and in the January 2021 special election. And we're here to say that our voting rights need to be expanded and protected. And, and we decided to join do you our feel that the Democrats the black women are hearing us or are they taking us for granted, particularly a lot of black women? 
to declare you know, as young people. Mark, I, 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 I often wonder, do they really hear us? I know that there are some that hear us and they stand with us. They've been out here with us. Members of the Congressional Black Caucus and others in the United States Congress that have been fighting boldly for voting rights. Representative Terry Sewell, you know, Representative Joyce Beatty who went to jail, Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, and others who put their bodies on the line who have said very boldly that it is time to pass voting rights. I think there are some in the Democratic Party who are not listening to us as they should. But the one thing that I know is that when Election Day comes, they need us. And we will remind them that we were here. And if they don't hear us, we will let them know that they didn't hear us because we have the power of the vote. And this because is the other part of this, too, that actually it baffles me. Because the voting rights, our ability to vote, is our ability to put many of them into office. And I don't understand how you could ignore the very people that put you into office uh, and the very people that empower you to be able to vote on the issues that you say that you care about. And so I hope that the Democratic Party and that all members of Congress, because ultimately this isn't a Republican issue or a Democratic issue, this is an American issue, that they will hear us loud and clear and recognize that democracy is a fundamental American right and we all deserve it and we all demand it. And there was also a fight to get a black woman on the ticket. Yes. A black woman is vice president. Are you comfortable, Joe Taker, with the vice president's profile and visibility? Um, and, and really, it would seem to me if there's a need that black women have, she'd be the first one that the administration would go to to be sure that black women are heard. Is that, is that happening, do you think, and to the extent that it should? I, I believe absolutely that Vice President Kamala Harris is the person that is inside of all of these meetings uh, fighting for these issues. I mean, let's remember that it was Vice President Harris that actually uh, welcomed into the White House in the Roosevelt Room a group of us, black women, for the first time, very historic. Uh, I was proud and honored to be a part of that group of black women to sit in the Roosevelt Room with the first black woman vice president of the United States to talk about this very issue of voting rights. And there she assured us that she would do all within her power and that this administration would do all within its power to ensure that voting rights is at the forefront of this conversation and this agenda. And so I think it's important for us to continue to follow the leadership of the vice president. Now, you ask, how do I feel about how she's portrayed? I have deep concerns about the portrayal of our vice president by the mass media. Mm -hmm. um, we started Win With Black Women because we were concerned with racism and sexism in the political discourse, and we're seeing it continue. We see the, the slight remarks, we see the articles, uh, we see the disrespect of not only our vice president, but of other black women. And we're going to continue to stand up and say, not today, not on our watch. What you will not do is put our vice president in a box. What you will not do is put black women in a box when we are the ones that deliver this nation over and over and over. And, and literally one with black women. That's a verb, y'all. Exactly. Uh, if it weren't for black women. Okay, lastly, speaking of profiles, yours is raised. So are the rumors true that Oprah is about to uh, retire and hand her whole network and broadcasting empire and all of her hosting duties over to you? Is that, is, can you confirm those rumors? I cannot you? confirm that. What I can say is, <laughs> what I can confirm is that I am a proud uh, co-host of a new uh, uh, television series on the Oprah Winfrey Network entitled Speak Sis. Uh, we aired our first 
our first episode on uh, on September the 28th, and Miss Winfrey was a part of it. Uh, Miss Winfrey, I don't think is going anywhere anytime soon. She is here to stay. She is a force. Uh, she's been actually um, a real force and a voice around black women, around black women's mental health, and around our voting rights. Um, she used the power of her platform to launch uh, Own Your Vote and Own Your Health to center these conversations of black women. She's been right there with us, and I have every belief in all of my soul that she's going to continue to be with us uh, for many, many more years. We're glad she chose you. Congratulations. Very proud of you and the show. Folks, our good friend, it's not the last we'll hear from her. And we're going to be hearing more from these black women, of course, as this campaign season. We want to be sure that they respect black women and what black women have to offer. Joteka Edie, win with black women, speak sis on the Oprah Winfrey Network. Thank you, Joteka. Thank you, my brother. <laughs> Spoke with Mark Morial about the infrastructure legislation and Build Back Better. Here with the president of the National Urban League, Mark Morial. Brother, um, where... How important is it, and you deal with our economics, jobs for our people, all of that, will the bipartisan infrastructure bill result in real economic and job opportunities for African Americans? I believe it can and it should, but let's be clear, Mark, we are going to have to do our work to make sure that commitments that have been made are lived up to. So what does that mean? Uh, at the very top of the administration, the administration uh, and we've talked to the president and his team about this. They've got to make sure that uh, that black business participation, Latinx business participation is required, Asian and indigenous is required in these contracts. Uh, secondly, every city, every state, every county, every airport authority, water authority, transit authority that will receive infrastructure money should adopt an ironclad policy uh, that ensures economic opportunity for the black community in terms of jobs and contracts. So this is going to require a framework. The reason why we have work to do is because, Mark, it's been 20 years since there was a real infrastructure plan in this country. And I was mayor of New Orleans at the time, and I can't tell you how we if you will, leverage that to create incredible investment and also business opportunities for black people and black businesses. So we've got to understand this will not happen automatically. It's going to take some work. So this plan, and I'll say this, unlike plans in the past, there's money for pipes, water systems to eradicate the lead pipe problem. There's money for transit. There's money for broadband. Historically, those have not been included in these infrastructure bills, and that represents something that I think can benefit communities across the nation. You have educated me about um, the difference when money's allocated versus to cities versus states, and where those pressure points are. So, with this, are we looking at some state, some city? I know in the urban centers, some state, okay. some city, some transit authority some money going directly to water systems that many times are controlled by states, right. controlled by cities rather. Uh, this is going to be uh, uh, money being distributed in multiple directions. And what we're hoping to do at the National Urban League is, is to do some briefings 
to do some public education. We've got to educate the community. I was on a call earlier uh, with the National Conference of Black State Legislators. I'll be back in January for the meetings of both the U.S. Conference of Mayors and the African American Mayors. All of these uh, uh, associations, uh, along with the civil rights community, we've got to engage to ensure that these investments do not bypass our community. But I'm excited. Look, the president took, this is what's key. We put a plan out called the Main Street Marshall Plan five years ago. And the president's team, in effect, took our plan, which had broadband, which had water, and he incorporated significant elements of our plan into his plan. And, and, and to that, what I want black America to know is they listened to us. Uh, when we said, here are our recommendations. And they, they've made it into the final version of the bill that he signed yesterday. And so the Urban League will be agitating. Agitating, and, yeah. educating, organizing, trying to provide technical assistance. We've got a lot of work to do on this. Thank you, Mark. Good to see you, Our good friend, in fact, friend of the show, Derek Johnson, president of the NAACP. Derek Johnson, president of NAACP. Derek, why is it important to be out here to support black women and to be an ally of black women in this movement? You know, in order for us to achieve the outcome necessary, there have to be multiple strategies, and on every front they need to be leads. You know, Melody Campbell and Dr. Cole and Janice Mathis, they have been the lead on this front. And so I told Melody early on, when you need us, we are there as we're filing lawsuits and we're trying to put political pressure because it has to be a multi-pronged strategy. At the end of the day, the outcome will ensure that black folks is a part of this democracy if we are successful. If we're not successful, we have to escalate the fight even more because we're looking at a 1950 reality for far too many communities that could be a sentence to death. Um, what is your forecast for the voting rights legislation? Do you think we will get something done by the end of the year. As you said, it's critical. Well, I'm very clear. I never predict. I only fight for an outcome. So I'm not going to predict the outcome. I'm going to fight for an outcome. And that's why we're escalating what we do as NACP. The report card is to say that it's just more than Senator Manchin and Cinema. We have other individuals who got elected who need the black vote, and yet they're not standing up for the black community when we need them to stand up. And that's why we're out here now. That's why we issued the report card in coalition with our partners, and we're going to continue to stand with our partners. We filed a lawsuit today dealing with redistricting. We filed one last week. We have over 17 lawsuits that we're filing, but that's not enough. We need legislation to protect the right of voters to participate in the midterm elections. And some of those with incomplete or bad grades are Democrats. A absolutely. Uh, Gary Peters has an incomplete. Chris Coons has an incomplete. And these are people who won on the black vote, right? You know, at the end of the day, you cannot claim to be friends to the civil rights community, the black community, or be progressive if, in fact, when a progressive black civil rights issues on the agenda and you want to put a procedural rule over a substantive right that we all should. Equal protection under the law can only be afforded if access to vo voting is allowed to all eligible citizens. Have any of them responded to these bad grades, to these incompletes? We've had uh, multiple responses. People are upset. They want to know what they can do to fix it. Senator Warner in Virginia. At the end of the day, you cannot say you support the right of African Americans to participate in this democracy if you allow a segregationist rule, procedural rule, that's not a law to stand in the way of what we know has to be the ultimate protection. That's our right to vote. Thank you, brother. All right. Appreciate you. All right, bro. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. 
Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.